Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Hitting an even 300 on the season. Fastball misses low. Back pick by Malazzo, and he gets him. The wheel and throw by Kay Doty, who was covering. They had him hung up. Attempt to steal the throw from Malazzo is in time. Doty applies the tag, and it looked like a decent jump for Syracusa, but not when you've got an arm like Malazzo. He beat him even on a hop. Doty basically just had to hold on the throw, beat the runner to the bag. Well, I noticed he looked a little anxious over there, and I was wondering if they've heard about Malazzo yet. Drop the ball, you're gone, and I'm gone. Three seats to the wind, thinking about all I've wasted on you. Yo, what is up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time for the End Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, Randy's not here tonight, he's got the night off, but. We're going to keep it moving. We got a good episode. We got episode 29. It's titled, Thou Shall Not Steal, because nobody steals on the LSU baseball star catcher, Alex Malazzo. Jim, it's a good episode for you. It's your boys, LSU, finally getting a chance to do what you like the most, and that's talk all things LSU. So let's let's get right to it, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and podcasting this week, LSU star baseball catcher, Alex Malazzo. <laughs> All right, Alex, my man. Dude, what's going on? How you doing? Doing good, man. Just trying to stay warm. Got a little cool front coming in. Yeah, what what is the temperature? Man, I think it uh I was looking for this week and I think Friday is getting as low as 29 in the morning. So it's been in the hadn't got over like 55 lately. Wow. I mean, I'm down here in Florida and and it's going to get cold tomorrow. It's going to be a blistering 55 degrees tomorrow. <laughs> it's it's I, mean, I got to bring out my my parka. It's going to be bad. Man, I'm roommates with Tommy, and obviously he's from Tampa, and uh, I haven't heard somebody complain so much about the cold since I've been living with him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things that I originally from Memphis, then moved to Florida, and I talked about the heat and how it never changes seasons, and now I'm the exact opposite. Like when it's like 50 degrees, I think it's a blizzard outside. So, um, you know, he'll get used to it. Tell them to tough up. It'll, it'll be all right. But, man, speaking of cold weather, obviously when we, when we talk about the weather changing, it, it kind of brings me through the seasons and it kind of brings me to hunting. Um, obviously, you are a huge hunter. I mean, we've done the research. You like to get out there. What is it that is your favorite thing to hunt? And the rumor is, is that you're more passionate about hunting than you are baseball. I know that's not true, right? Man, to be honest with you, it's like uh, 
I, I don't even know how to put it. You know, it's, I got, I got a deep love for both of them. Like it's just something I've been doing my whole life, both of them. And, uh, it wasn't until I stopped playing football really because football is during hunting season. So I played football my whole life and it wasn't really until I stopped playing football, went straight to baseball that I was able to really like, okay, I'm a hunt like seriously. Um, uh, it wasn't until about then, but man, I'll, I'll tell you, I love both of them. Uh, I definitely spend a lot more time at baseball just cause for me, it's kind of a priority deal. Um, you know, I, I kind of look at it like I can I can hunt the rest of my life. Uh, you only get so many years to play baseball. Well, well, also it's got to be like a a release. It's kind of like your your get away from baseball. You get to go out there and kind of be to yourself. And you can think about baseball, I guess, but like really, I guess the whole purpose of having a secondary passion is to kind of break away from that that primary thing. So, you know. Talk me through it. What 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 are the things that you hunt, and what is your favorite thing to hunt? So obviously, like being from Louisiana, like it's sportsman's paradise pretty much down here. And uh, I mean, I go across the whole country uh, hunting, but uh, I mean, growing up here, I always grew up fishing. Uh, so I loved red fishing, bass fishing, you name it. Uh, and hunting wise, man, I've I'll hunt anything. I think uh I think just that competitive side in me uh that's why I love hunting so much like you're competing against something else pretty much you know so I, I've done everything from hunting alligators frogging here in Louisiana duck hunting deer hunting hog hunting uh you name it I've probably done it Daniel man can you look I mean we know plenty of people that duck hunt and deer hunt all the time but he's the first guy I know that hunts gator bro that's next level <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of scary, like because <laughs> the way the way that I envision it, and this is a terrible analogy, but it's the only thing I can relate to is there's a show on TV called Swamp People, and that's what they do is they go around and they like bait these traps, and then they like go to these lines and they just start pulling up a line, and like they have no idea what's at the bottom of this line. It could be like nothing, or it could be like a 10 foot gator that's going to try to eat them. Like it's unbelievable. Like the fear that I would have to do something like that, not doing it, man. Not doing it. <laughs> yeah. They do. They do it on a little bit different level. I'm not uh man. When, when it comes to something that can get me, it, you know, that's kind of where I start to draw the line. Uh, I'm not trying to lose any fingers right now. That's, that's for damn sure. Man, yeah. LSU star catcher lost a hand while gator hunting. Man, I, man, I try to work on my hand-eye coordination, like when I'm out there frogging, grabbing, uh, grabbing some frogs in the swamp at night. But yeah, I'm not trying to lose any fingers or toes or something by a gator. No, it ain't. It ain't worth it. So let's say, you know, hypothetically speaking, I know, you know, baseball. You know, you guys might get to have some time off here coming up. But let's say just randomly Jay Johnson goes, you know what, Alex, man, you guys got the day off. Go do something that you love to do. And obviously you choose hunting. So if that's the case, you got one opportunity to take advantage of it. Where are you going? So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you probably catch me uh, 
my my grandfather has a couple hundred acres up in uh mississippi more than likely you probably catch in a tree stand hunting a deer up there uh but if i had to pick like something i really love to do you would catch me wading in some water standing next to uh some oak trees trying to shoot some mallard ducks that that is something love look before we jump into this interview i you you brought up something that like really like i've been curious about this how do you cook duck because i've had duck a lot and i don't like it and i think it's because of how it's cooked and i think you're either really good and you have your really like super awesome one way to cook it and that's how you do it and it impresses everybody and it's tasty but like i don't like what is the best way to cook it man if you like if you told me i got to bring one thing let's say i got a big girl coming over and like she wants to eat (laughs) (laughs) i'm grabbing i'm grabbing some duck breasts uh i'm grabbing some duck breasts i'm marinating them I do a marinade with them in a gallon Ziploc bag for like oh, straight overnight and uh, Italian dressing and Worcestershire sauce or W sauce, whatever you want to call it. I marinate that overnight, pop it out of there. I'm putting Tony seasoning on it. And then the next thing I'm doing is I'm laying out strips of bacon. I'm putting the duck breast on there, putting a little, little slice of cream cheese on there, putting a jalapeno on there rolling it up in that bacon, sticking a toothpick in it, and then uh, throwing it on the grill or in the oven. And when I tell you, it's probably the best thing you'll ever eat. You know, when you you had me at, at bacon, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I don't know anything that's not better with bacon. So if you're cooking it and you're throwing bacon on it, I'm in. So uh, oh, ho- yeah. hopefully, you know, I, I'll, I'll get a, the opportunity to try that. Um but man, enough of the hunting, enough of the the duck. Let's get into you, man. Let's 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 get the story. Um, you know, take me back. Obviously, you know, we need to know a little bit about you. You know, so we can kind of capture this journey and and kind of understand the context of how you got to where you're at right now. But take me back to, you know, where are you from? Where were you born? Uh, so I was. Born in, obviously, I was born in Baton Rouge, and uh, I grew up in Zachary, Louisiana. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, funny story, uh, my, my mom, she uh, she talks about it a good bit, but, like, she was in the hospital, didn't know what to name me. My name was supposed to be Carter. All my brothers and sisters, their initials is CMM, and I was supposed to be uh, Carter Michael Malazzo, and, uh, well, she watched some dang movie and she saw somebody. She's like, I can't name them that. Can't get them out of my head. Well, she sat there and she was like, I sat there for like all night trying to figure out your name. And then somebody sent her, they found out about it. It was like one of her friends or whatever she teaches with and sent her some purple and gold flowers and said, hope to see him playing at Alex box soon. And that's, that's where uh, she named me Alex. And actually my initials are arm. ARM. <laughs> I mean, so shout out to your mom. Like she you weren't even born yet, and she's setting the bar. She's setting yeah. your expectations for you. That's unbelievable. And what's even more unbelievable is that you're like, all right, cool, no problem. I got you. I'll make that happen. No big deal. 
I'll just be <laughs> one of the best catchers in the country. Man, not like she's like she might be the most competitive one in my family. Like, what? I mean, I I see that she, you know, she was a a college softball player at Southeastern. Now, is she like take her in her in her prime and you in your prime? Who's better? Oh God, man, she she literally tells me like she's like you better thank me for having an arm. Like <laughs> she, she told me she had a cannon of an arm, and she was. Uh, I, I think she, she played catcher, second base, right field, and she's a little bitty. Like, uh, so like she, she was telling me stories uh, when she was playing, and she was like, they throw me back there to catch because I was like the only one that could catch, and she's wearing like volleyball knee pads because the shin guards wouldn't fit her. Holy smokes. Daniel, yeah. how refreshing is it that, you know, that mom's getting love? A lot of times it's always dad or granddad or uncle, whoever, but very rarely does, you know, moms get love for things other than sports. But in this, this specific episode, you know, she's getting credit for the athleticism. Man, like, yeah. believe it, she, she is the reason I, I'm, I'm not going to say dad wasn't a good athlete. Like dad was probably a better athlete than, than I am right now. He's a, he was a four, four forty guy in football. Uh, Olympic lifter, whatnot, but like I can thank my mom too for being a catcher because we're at nine years old and I'm playing shortstop or doing whatever, and they got guys stealing one base after another. And she had already went through baseball with my older brother, uh, because he's seven years older than me. And my dad was like, uh, man, I, I just don't know where to play him, or because he was helping coach, and our head coach was just like, I don't know where to play him shortstop, center field, what my mom was like put him behind the plate. She was like, look at baseball. There are not many good defensive catchers. You can't find one defensive catcher. And, man, I ended up catching at nine years old, started throwing some guys out, and I ain't left the spot since. You want to know your fastest route to college? Be a catcher. No Be doubt. A catcher. Be a good defensive catcher. That's it. I, yeah, I would say that goes for every level of the game, too. Yep. Like. Yep. Big, big leagues doesn't matter. So, well, since, since hey Daniel, since we're gonna we're not gonna talk about Tennessee or Evan Russell, I got I gotta ask Alex because we're talking about being a catcher. What are your thoughts on what Al uh, or what Evan Russell had to do this year, where he never played catcher in his life and then had to be uh, a catcher in the SEC for all those arms? Yeah, dude, I was uh, I didn't like watching him. I couldn't tell that he never caught in his life, like until that year, and I thought. And after finding that out, I thought it was even more impressive with the staff he was handling and how well he was doing it. He like, said he was scared to death. He came on here yeah. to start that season. He was scared to death. He didn't lie about it. He said he was losing sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I don't it's it's a stressful it's just a stressful position. Like I'll put it out there. It's it's a pretty stressful position. because uh, I mean you got a lot you got a lot of weight on your shoulders, you know, handling guys, uh like if you look at teams and they got a bad catcher, a lot of times you're going to score a lot of runs on them, like pass balls. It doesn't matter allowing guys to get to second base. So, I mean, it's a lot of weight on your shoulders. And for him to do what he did, uh, I thought that was even more impressive for his first time catching. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of different arms um, that you got to prepare for and be ready for, all different arm angles, all doing different things, different variety of pitches. I mean, you you know the gamut, dude. You you. You live it every day. Um, I got to go back, though, man. You, you mentioned, you know, 
mom and dad were athletes. You mentioned an older brother. Is that the only other sibling you had? No, I actually have a, a younger sister, too. Athlete? Uh, she cheers the Southeastern. She, uh, <laughs> we, we tried to put her in softball, and uh, she kind of just got drugged around for a little bit following uh, me and my older brother uh, at the ball field. So she was that kid playing in the dirt piles. And uh, she, uh, my mom put her in softball, and one of the girls, this is like six or seven years old, and we're out there at the park all together. And my sister Claire goes out there for the first practice. My mom's watching her. One of the girls throws a ball to her and she ducks it. My mom went up to the coach and said, hey, we're, we're not having this. Get off the field. She drug her off the field and said, you're not going to do this and pulled her off. And then the coach calls and was like, hey, we really need your daughter to play. Like, we we don't have enough kids or whatever. And uh, my mom goes up to the coach and says, hey, I got one, just only one deal and she's good to go play. You put her in right field. This is T-ball. The coach said, I've never had this request before. <laughs> your, your mom is a savage, dude. She is coaching this team without even being the coach. She's like, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, but she's going to play right field. You, you know what? She's going to bat six, too. So go ahead and pencil that one in, coach. Man, that's that's unbelievable. But, like, it's Jim, it's another one of uh, those instances where can some of these families just sprinkle a little bit of talent to these regular guys? I mean, he casually dropped his dad running a four, four and then being, you know, a lifter. Like, I mean, and, and that was like the back burner uh, on the side of the rest of the family. That's crazy. How much talent's yeah. in that family. Yeah. He's doing Olympic lifting and I didn't even ask what kind of weights he's putting up, but it's probably, I don't even want to know. Very, I don't even yeah. Know. It's going to be, it'll be, <laughs> just disheartening i'll just have to go be depressed somewhere but um so as a kid obviously you know baton rouge kid you you're named after the stadium you you gotta be you know an lsu fan um i don't think you had a choice in in, in that but are you going to a lot of the lsu baseball games growing up and if so who was your favorite player during that time yeah so like uh i remember me and my dad would always uh Whenever I had time between like playing sports, man, uh, we'd always try to go to as many games as possible. Even uh, I remember we went to the uh, we went to a couple of regional games or super regional games at the box, like Coastal Carolina. Uh, when we played Stony Brook, uh, I know there's a bad loss, but we were, you know, like we were there, and uh, man, I got to watch a lot. Like you, I didn't realize it at the time, but I do now. Like how fortunate I was to watch some, some of these college baseball players play. Like uh, I'm talking like Rafe Rhymes, Micah Gibbs, Alex Bregman, no, both NOLA brothers. Uh, in fact, I watched the NOLA brothers in high school when they were at Catholic. Uh, I mean, the list could go on and like, uh, but somebody I really just watched and I was like, man, I like how that guy plays is uh, Micah Gibbs. I was yeah. – uh, just that bulldog mentality and somebody else that reminded me of him was a uh, Kate Savick. Uh, so both catchers for them. Cause that, that, that's what I played. So I really like honed in and watched them a lot. And, uh, and I just watched and I was like, man, those guys are freaking bulldogs back there. You know, 
Uh, What's important about what you're saying, Alex, is Daniel has told me, um, you know, in regards to my daughter, and I've taken every bit of this advice. Um, you know, she plans to hopefully play D1 soccer, and he says expose her to the game, um, let her see it as much on the next level. And so we go see SEC games all the time. We go see Memphis because they're actually a top 25 program. And, you know, she watches certain players, learns different players. We actually, you know, uh, because we have this podcast, she gets to be mentored by some of them or whatever. But it speaks to what you're doing because you're out there watching them and learning from them at a young age. And Daniel says that can never be undervalued by what you can learn by watching those who are already, you know, at that skill level. No doubt. It's like – if I had like a son right now, like let's say I'm a dad or something, uh, I'm thankful I'm not, but let's say I'm a dad right now. And like, I had to raise a son through baseball, football, whatever. Nine times, like if I had nine times out of 10, I'm taking them to watch college baseball or college football. And I'm like telling them like, watch what these guys are doing, you know? Cause I think, uh, I think some of that could get lost at times at the professional level. Uh, but like, when you're talking about like college guys, I think that's some of the best athletes to watch. Yeah. You, you were very blessed, you know, in a sense that you're growing up in a community where you can go see guys that, you know, are going to be at the the highest level playing it. Um, not only currently at their state in college at LSU, they're the highest caliber player in college, but you know, there's a very, high likelihood that those guys you know are going to move on to the next level and so being able to see that early seeing where they're at seeing what it takes to be there but also see what it takes to go to the next level probably big steps for you man but obviously it that probably wasn't the thought right away you know you probably started you know if I had to guess what age were you when you started playing baseball Oh man, I uh well I actually started playing soccer. I was too young to do anything like <laughs> another mom story. Uh <laughs> she tried to go sign me up for T ball at four four or five years old. I think I was four years old. She tried to sign me up for T ball play with the six year olds or whatever. They wouldn't let me. Uh too young, like two years too young. She she tried and tried. Well, eventually I joined like some soccer. I couldn't play football either, too young. So um uh, other than like backyard stuff and hanging out with my older brother's team. So she signed me up for soccer. It was only, my dad was pissed. It was the only sport she would like, they would allow me to sign up for. And she had to lie about my age. Like they didn't take birth certificates or whatever, but she lied about my age. Told him I was like five or six. And I was playing with like seven year olds. So yeah, that I, was like the first thing I did. I pictured the story a lot differently. I pictured you going, yeah, my, you know, they wouldn't let me play with the six-year-olds because I, I was I was two years too young. But my mom just changed my birth certificate. No big deal. <laughs> like, just, for, just forged the birth certificate real quick. Yeah, like, that's what I pictured in my head, you know, after she pulled your sister off the, off the field and then proceeded to put her back on the team and tell the coach where she was going to play. I, I just figured, you know, that was the next progression and this, this savagery that, you know, is your mom, dude. That's, that's hilarious. But um, obviously you, you play, you know, and you work your way up, you know, you, you get into high school. What high school are you attending? Well, I went to Zachary high school. So at Zachary, man, you're, you end up being starter four years at, at catcher. 
you're ranked as the number three player in Louisiana. That's uh, by Prep Baseball Report. 2018 and 2019 All-State selection by the Louisiana Baseball Coaches Association. You were then voted to the 2019 Louisiana Sports Writer Association All-State team. You led Zachary in hitting. Your senior season with 432 batting average, you had a 541 on-base percentage, 664 slugging percentage, 37 RBIs, three home runs, three triples, 15 doubles, 27 walks. But even more to all of that, a 2018-2019 Baton Rouge All-Metro selection, 2018-2019 first team All-District 4-5A, um, 2019 District 4-5 co-MVP and recorded Baseball Factory's number one national pop throwing time at 1.74 seconds and being named the Rawlings Southeast Region All-High School Senior First Team. Dude. Like, I had to read that verbatim because there's just so much to it. You, like, the, the, the only way to, to really summarize all that is you are a freaking stud. Nah, That's nah. it, yeah. I was, I, I was fortunate to have, uh, I, honest to God, like, I was just for, really fortunate to come up around some, when I talk about, like, great coaches, great coaches before high school, like, great coaches, and then in high school have – great coaches and great mentors like uh, just really fortunate to have those people around me growing up and uh, to be able to teach me not only a game of baseball but things to life like a lot of I think a lot of people uh, growing up miss so uh, yeah I, I think I, my parents did a good job of surrounding me with uh, just great people. Daniel think- these, these LSU guys won't not be humble it doesn't matter if it's been Cruz, joe bear below so white like they refuse to take any credit yeah i mean humble cats man i i think what happened is you know obviously coaching played a, a huge part of that but really the fear from his mother probably was enough <laughs> to like i mean let, let's be real here now I kid, yeah i mean every every guy that we have on every girl that we have on you know every athlete says a lot of the same thing like it may not be multiple coaches like like you're saying or multiple people but they distinctly have somebody that was like that was the person or those were my people that in you know just allowed me to to grow and develop and and have a support system to get me where i'm at man i i want to ask though with all that success you know all all four years just high levels of success, which one of those accolades are you most proud of? Out of like, uh, I man, to be honest with you, like uh, one of my favorite things that, uh, one of my favorite things I can remember in high school was uh, kind of like the leadership part of it was like my coaches, uh, like, it for me it was being like a leader in high school and uh earning my coach's trust that way and uh which I mean I I I gotta thank a lot of coaches growing up who like prepared me to be a leader not only in like on a baseball team but in school in life you know uh what was really cool for me was in high school uh my junior year and sophomore sophomore junior and senior year was stepping into like a leadership role where uh, a lot of guys looked up to me and like I was able to 
step into that and fill some shoes because uh for me it was always more about like I was so focused on high school I never really was focused on college baseball or trying to get recruited you know in high school like going into high school I was just so focused on high school baseball because it was such a big deal in Zachary uh but as far as like those accomplishments like those are all cool but nobody ever remembers those like at the end of the day, people remember what you were like in the locker room and what you did for your teammates. Like that's what that that's what is always most important to me, even to this day. Uh, it's kind of how my teammates, coaches, and the people around me every day look at me. So I, I mean, people probably say it all the time. I could give. I really don't care about those accomplishments. It's all about like uh, how how the guys around me, I, like the guys I'm around every day, how they look at me. Yeah, it's um. It's one of those things like records can always and typically always do get broken at some point, but yeah, nobody can take away the type of locker room leader that you are, the type of teammate that you are, how you conduct your, your business on the field, off the field, how you represent LSU when you're going to Chick-fil-A on a, on a random Tuesday. You know, like that's that's the kind of stuff I think that goes undervalued, especially for, you know, colleges in, in trying to move to the next level and things that, you know, these intrinsic things that people have that not necessarily everybody does that colleges look for. Um, obviously, you you played travel ball, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, because it seems like, you know, the more that we hear athletes' stories, the more that we understand. And I think we had a pretty good idea of this, but travel ball means everything, especially getting to the next level. So who did you play travel ball for? Uh, so I started out playing for a program out of central Louisiana. Uh, it was called the Jackhammers. And uh, so I played with them since I was very, very young. And I played for a guy named Sal Palermo. Uh, Danny McGee and Danny McGee was a guy that went to Denham Springs K Doty's high school uh, got drafted out of high school uh, backed up Cal Ripken played for the Atlanta Braves that was one of our coaches on our staff uh, so those two guys were coaching uh, my dad was always a coach so uh, those those guys had a huge impact on me uh, not only on the field but more off the field stuff like leadership stuff and then I also played uh uh, with for Ben McDonald. Well, I mean, what a like it, it, it's a great story, but what I mean, God, to be the backup for for Cal Ripken and go, you know, I'm never going to touch the field ever, <laughs> ever. you know, it's just I remember he but, told us a story. Uh, he told us a story like they pulled they pulled Cal Ripken in like the seventh inning or something, and they put him out there. And he said on his way out there, Cal Pat Cal Ripken passed by him and said, "Hey, enjoy it while you're out there because you're not getting back out there while I'm while I'm on this." <laughs> I mean, think about it, Daniel. We had Ed Easley on here, and he spent two years behind Yadier Molina, and he said, you know, he knew he was never going to play, but he spent every minute of the two years taking everything he could from being behind the best. Absolutely, you got to man. That's that's uh. If if you're lucky enough to, you know, play with, behind, alongside, like you you gotta you gotta take in that talent. You gotta pick their brain. You gotta soak it all in because you never know when you're gonna get the opportunity. You want to make sure you take advantage of it. Um, but man, Alex, obviously, you know, travel ball, 
high school ball, your career comes to a culmination when, you know, colleges start approaching. What, when was it that colleges start approaching you? And was there like one specific like day or event or game where you're like, oh man, like I can move to the next level doing this? Uh, I would say, um, like my 14 year old year, we were playing at some big events for, uh, I was playing under Ben McDonald. Uh, he was coaching our team on the same son as his son, Jace. Um, and they, I mean, there was always scouts at our game, even at 14 years old, which is crazy to me. Uh, so like kind of, kind of got some talks there and then it wasn't until after like my freshman year of high school, I was like, dang okay like after the year my head coach sat me down and he was like hey they got a couple colleges that want to call you and it was like you would have thought my jaw hit the floor like I was like what <laughs> like I, I didn't even know that was a thing like they're like yeah some colleges uh want to talk to you so uh you're gonna have to reach out to them or call them or whatever so we'll, we'll get that set up and then uh after that um I, I think that was after my freshman year. I took a few visits, and then, like, my sophomore year, I uh, went to a few summer events or whatnot, and then that's when uh, Nolan Kane showed up and started recruiting me. And, and uh, I remember the game. He was there as a playoff game at Zachary. Uh, and I, I saw he was there, and, like, there's definitely a buzz, like, in our crowd or whatever. And they're like, holy crap, LSU's here. <laughs> and uh, – that's when I was like, okay. And then uh, we started talking, and that's, yeah, I mean, took off from there. It's history. You know, I, we always ask the guests, you know, what what was it about the school that you chose? Um, you know, was it one thing? Was it this? Was it coaching? Was it the campus? Was it the atmosphere? But for you, like, it's hard to ask you that question because when you were born, that the answer to that question was already had. Like, you, yeah. I don't think you had many options um, that you could legitimately say, like, this is a real thing. Like, I could go here. Um, as long as LSU was on that list, I'm sure, like, your list was very short, right? Yeah, it was it was done deal. Like, it was a wrap. As soon as I took my visit, committed day after, really on the spot. Um I mean, it was a wrap once they called. But the craziest thing is, like, you you grow up going to these LSU games, but it never, like, never at one point in time, like, creeps in your mind, like, man, I could possibly play here. Like, you're 9 and 12 years old, and then when it does happen, it's it's pretty cool. And that's exactly right where I want to go. The first time you step out into Alex's box wearing the purple and gold, What's the emotion, man? I mean, like you just said, as a kid, like it's just something that you – it was a dream, but you didn't know that it was something that could be real. I mean, what what's the emotions? Like I actually like picture you might maybe breaking into tears or something. You're just so, like, emotional. Man, it was uh, – it was a – honestly, it was a feeling like no other. I can't even describe it. Uh, I mean, I could describe it like shooting a, shooting a giant deer is what it felt like, but uh, – it it was it was pretty awesome not only just for me but like the people that kind of everybody that poured something into my like into my life on that journey uh you know my whole family's there my whole family lives here uh i got all my coaches that grew up coaching me text me 
that after that game. So uh, it was really, really cool for me, my family, and those guys that impacted my life growing up. Uh, and it was it. I don't want to say it was like man, I made it, but that's, that's kind of how it was. So, so with that being the school, you know, let me ask you, you know, some guys are, are more nervous. Some are more excited for you. Like, like it, which one is it? Like, is it nervous because it's LSU or is it just this overwhelming excitement? Uh, That's tough. Like I, I'm not one to really get nervous. Like I know a lot of, I play with a lot of guys over the years and I know guys that, get to a point where they're about to throw up or they're throwing up during the game because they're so nervous. And I've never been like that. Like I've been one to like really just enjoy the moment. And like when they, when the moment's the biggest, that's normally when I'm playing my best. Like that's, I enjoy that stuff. Yeah. I bring it up because uh, you know, uh, the very first LSU guest we actually ever had uh, was all the way back in season one was Cade Beloso. And, uh, and he talked about how nervous he was the first time he stepped out there. So, you know, for every, for every guy is different, um, you know, and I, no matter which way it goes, I, I would probably be on more on the nervous side myself, but you know, every, everyone's built different before we break into full on, you know, LSU baseball, I got, I got a question because I'm really good friends with Kelly Ann and I know she's a fan of yours and uh, she even says she had made you a blanket with number seven. Uh, you've been, you've been using that thing and been getting good use. Man, I, I think it's at my parents' house. I think it's at my parents' house. I'm not bringing that to a college apartment, man. I might, I might lose that thing. And uh, just, just that right there, though. Like, just that you said that, like, how, like, that's freaking awesome, right there. That you got, like, I don't think there's many places that that that's going on where you got people making you blankets with your name, number, or whatever on it. So I think that's really cool from, um, uh, from the support system we have here at LSU. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I try to tell people all the time about the hospitality and just the way the 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 culture is like family. And that's just, you know, a perfect example. I mean, when I go down there, like, you know, yeah, obviously I'm a fan. I know a lot of the people, but man, each time I come down there, even when I came and watched y'all just a, a couple of weeks ago, man, next thing you know, I'm in a conversation with a with a group of men that like I don't even know. I somehow got led into it. And then like, um, we're having a full on conversation and you would think that I've known these guys for a long time. And it's just because that's just kind of the way it is. And, and, you know, everybody treats each other like family there when you're at the tailgate, it's the same thing. You know, everybody's offering up food and drinks. They don't necessarily got to really know you. And it's uh, LSU just, it's a whole different thing, but you know, for you, you know, when we talk 2020 with most guys, it's hard to talk about because of COVID, but you have something really worth talking about because dude, you hit your first home run in college in Minute Maid Park against Baylor. Tell me what that's like to hit your first home run in a big league park. Man, I'm actually really glad I hit that home run because, uh, I missed a sign early in that game on the base pass and coach Maneri was uh he's about 10 feet up my butt right there during that game. So he was on my ass during that game after I missed that sign and after, and like, I knew I had to make up for it. So after hitting that home run, I was like, Oh God, thank God. It was like a weight got taken off my shoulders after I hit it. Uh, Cause I thought he's going to kill me. Uh, but yeah, that, that was pretty cool. It was pretty special. Uh, 
I mean, because that's a big park. I, I mean, I went and watched y'all this year in the Shiners Classic, and, you know, yeah. to just use Dylan Cruz, for example, he hit the warning track twice and got out. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a bigger park, so for you to take one yard really says something. Yeah, it was – I mean, it was cool. It was like outer body experience. Like, as a freshman, I think there was like 20,000 people at the game or whatever. Uh, it was a really cool moment for me, and, uh, man, it was – it's one of those feelings like you just can't describe, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, And, you know, I don't have it on the notes to talk about later, but since we're talking about Minute Maid Park and talking about LSU, just how cool is Jordan Thompson's uh this year that, I mean, Jordan yeah. Thompson isn't known for just being, you know, a monster bomber. He absolutely teed that thing off. Dude, that was, that's probably one of the coolest videos I've seen. Like, like when you, like that 29, 2019 LSU football team hype video from the mm -hmm. national Championship. like that's a cool video and you look at that that video is badass like pimped it watched it you got people screaming all over the place and dude, that thing was you yeah, launched it freaking awesome yeah the fan base was deep there like I said I was there man like I just I didn't expect that from him man the way the way he had hit that I was like, oof. But, yeah, no, that's really cool that you did that. And then worth noting, man, you had a multi-hit game against Texas, you know, right after that. So, man, just a – you know, in a in a season that got lost with COVID, you still managed to to make your mark, you know, in a big league park against two big-time programs. And so um, just a really cool way to get your, your career started. But, you know, we get into 2021. You played in 52 games. You started 47 at catcher. You know, batted 135. We'll address that in a minute. But you threw out 14 runners trying to steal and picked off two off the base path. Um, so we'll start with the batting average, man. You know, obviously we've seen the numbers in high school, you know, um, and you've been a very honest person. So, man, explain to us why why such a drop-off. Uh yeah, man. Like I think I got to the point where I was almost uh and I'm I'm not one to pass blame on anybody like whatever, whatever I do on that field, that's by my own doing or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. And uh, like you control your own destiny. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, but I, I got to a point where I was just listening to so many things and, uh, you know, just trying to do too many things. And then obviously baseball is a failing sport, but like, I, I was failing more than I should or have in the past. Uh, Cause I, I mean, I've been a hitter my whole life. And then one, kind of once I started going down that slope, it was like, I got, I got to a spot where I just felt like I couldn't get myself out of it, got in my head and uh, for college and for any baseball player uh, or any athlete, uh, it's like one of the worst feelings is when you're failing and you feel like you're all by yourself on an Island Nobody can help you. Uh, man, I almost went in like a depression, but the competitive side in me took over. And I was like, all right, I'm failing on this side of the game, but there's two sides of the game. So I took it, and I think you said I still started in like 47 of the 52 games catching or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I took it to the part where if I'm not helping my team here, how can I help them here on defense? And I, I've – I've made it a point to myself that I'm going to be the most unselfish baseball player. I'm going to put a brick wall between those two, two sides of the game. I'm going to put a brick wall and I'm going to see 
how many runs I can produce as a catcher or save. So I think there's a stretch there, and I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I value catching a lot, and I value the impact you can have as a catcher, not only on that pitcher, but saving runs. So I made it a point that nobody's going to steal second base, nobody's going to steal third base. I'm not going to have any two-strike or three third strike pass balls. I'm going to keep every ball in front of me and I'm going to keep that runner at first base. That way when there's a base hit, there's not a guy at second base that's going to score. So I, I, I put up that brick wall and uh, it was tough, man. It, it was one of the toughest things I've been through. And I think it made me a better player because of it. Cause now I know how to handle. I always knew how to handle failure from uh, coaches in my past, but that was a real test for me mentally uh, and everything. Like you got, you got guys coming at you left and right and Twitter DMing you or Instagram DM and you, you know, coming at your neck. And uh, I, I think that right there made, uh, made me a definitely a tougher baseball player. And it kind of took some fear out of my mind where it's like, man, what if I fail again? Who cares? Like, yeah, no, what, every everything you're saying has such validity. I'll use two guys who have no problem um, the, that they've spoke on it. Um, you know, Cameron James and Josh Hatcher from Mississippi State, um, they talked about it, you know, the amount of the, the pressure, but then the amount of coaching and everybody's trying to one way or the other. And ironically, both of them, you know, Josh ends up going to Kennesaw, uh, Cameron stays in Mississippi State, but both yeah. of them had the same answer to how they fix it. And they said it's kind of, you know, it's not disregarding the coaching, but they kind of just blocked out all that and they just kind of went back to what they know and they just tried to to free swing and not overthink it. And they said they kind of just went back to having fun. And yeah, that's one thing I would say about it is like I've been playing the, something I wish I – Something I wish I knew now, well, I know it now. I wish I could have told myself at that time. It's like, dude, like, you've been a baseball player your entire life. You've been a dude at the plate your entire life. You've always been a hitter. You haven't just been a catcher. You've always been a hitter. Trust yourself. Trust your preparation and go out there and have some fun. Quit worrying about if you get a hit, if you hit the ball hard. Go out there, have some fun and believe in yourself and have some confidence at the plate like you always have. And, uh, like, I, I got to a point where it was like once I started having some failure, I had every – I felt like everybody – and it, I'm not even talking about my coaches on my coaching staff. Like, everybody from the outside was trying to put in input, and I was just coachable enough to kind of listen to everybody instead of, like, blocking out all that noise and not so much, like – people people trying to help me have an impact on me but instead of just going back to who I am and kind of how I got myself to to be stepping in a batter's box in the SEC you know absolutely so you know we talk about like you said the catching side is what kept you in it and you know I said the numbers and and you talked about you know just how much uh of an impact and how you felt how important that was. So let me ask you, man, you, you are a very confident guy, but not an arrogant guy, but I, I, I gotta ask, do you like, do you want guys to go on you? Like, do you, do you get excited <laughs> about the thought about guys trying to make the jump on you? I'll be honest with you. Like, um, I, I try to be like the most humble person outside of the field. Uh, but when I'm on the field, like 
I definitely have this like arrogance going through myself and like and this confidence and like almost want to say swagger, but like it's almost like a killer mentality. Like my parents installed in me at a young age that like you go out there and you beat everybody's freaking ass and you compete your ass off and you're gonna be the toughest, baddest dude on that field at all times. No matter what happens, you're going to be the toughest and baddest dude on that field at all times. So I've carried that with me throughout the game, and they've also made sure I've remained humble outside that field and became a leader and stuff. So I I can't thank them enough for that. But back to your question, yes, I do. Like when somebody gets on first, I look at it as a freaking challenge. I'm like, if you try to steal or your coach gives you the steal sign, it's telling me one thing. They don't think I can throw you out, and I take that personally. And – that's that's just something that's how I was raised and that's how I always be because I was raised on a football field and raised with a football mentality and that's what I bring to that catching position that's how I've always played baseball yeah no doubt and I'm sitting here scrolling the schedule and I'm not seeing it and if it's not there I'm gonna be disappointed uh yeah y'all don't have Vandy on the schedule man I I would like to see you throw out Enrique man that's that's the one right there (laughs) <laughs> that'd have been a fun challenge for sure as a catcher hey sec tournament somewhere you might you never know you could could be in a regional super regional might cross paths throw that guy out and then you you can really state the claim to to how badass you really are um so you know as a team that year y'all went 38 and 25 ultimately fell in the super regionals to Tennessee. but before we get to the postseason you know um, just on that season, what was your what was your favorite series of that year? And you know, a lot I like talking to the guys about the other ballparks. Me and you were actually having a conversation before this uh, episode started. You know, so what was your favorite series? And then what was your favorite uh you know ballpark that y'all visited? Uh, I'm trying to I I'm trying to think back to that year, man. Uh, I remember I think it was Ole Miss. We went there and took two out of three. It's kind of ironic. Yeah, I, I was there, and I know how you didn't take the third one, and that didn't set well at, uh, set well at all. But that's the 9-1 game that uh, they came back. But the first two games yeah. I handled. Yeah, that Friday night game there, that was – it was a cool atmosphere, man. I'm not going to lie. Uh, really cool atmosphere. And then uh, one of my favorites was that Oregon Regional. That was awesome for me, losing the first game and coming back and winning the rest out. And that was – uh. That was a really fun time. Yeah, and so that's where I was actually going to go next. And in that regional, you know, regardless of the prestige that LSU has, and everybody knows that every year um, that they're a team that you don't want to play for whatever reason, um, you know, most uh, analysts counted y'all out going up there um, to Oregon. So, you know, with that, just how cool was it to to go up there, you know, against the odds and what people believed and then, and you know, take them in their house? Yeah, man, that was uh, it was that first game was really weird. Uh, I I know uh, a lot of athletes can relate to this. Like, there's just some games you get like a weird feeling in, or you know, it, that Gonzaga game was like one of them. You know, uh, submarine pitcher thrown like eighty four, eighty six, and just, I mean, call it what it is. He he pitched really well, and they beat us that game. They played better than us. And they ultimately beat us. And then, uh, man, I, it, it was a lot of fun making that run, though. Uh, and it was it was really cool. Oregon's a good baseball team. Uh, I don't think they get talked about enough, but they were, they were a really good baseball team. They played the game hard. Uh, 
they had some good ball players, good coaching and stuff. So that was a tough series. That, that two games we had to beat them back to back, and it's tough to do in college baseball. Like it's not like football where LSU could play whoever ten times out of ten. They're beating them ten times out of ten. Baseball's like sometimes it can be a flip of coin, or anybody can beat anybody. So uh, it was tough to do, but we did it, and it was a lot of fun doing it. Well, one of the cool things is uh, Daniel will have to remind me of the bar, but I happened to actually be in Tampa visiting him um, during that series, and we got to watch uh, together. Me and him got to watch. Uh, uh, I believe Fontenot closed the door on the on the on the game in which y'all sealed it, and uh, me and him got to do it together. He got to see my excitement. He was rooting for LSU, obviously being with me. And so, what was it? What was the name of that that arcade bar we were at, Daniel? It's called Reboot. Reboot. So yeah, Alex, me, me and DB were we were at Reboot and we got to watch it together. And me and him don't, you know, with him being in Florida and me being in Mississippi, we don't just necessarily get to sit around and watch baseball together. But um, that happened to be the series we get to watch together. So uh, just a cool little side story to that. We got we got to watch y'all take care of business. But with that, it's a good thing that our other host isn't here because then y'all went to Knoxville and he loves to talk trash about this series and. And things didn't go so well, man. Um, it's clear, y'all. I got swept earlier in the season there, and then things uh, just kind of went sideways. The You could tell the bad blood that had kind of carried over from the regular season to that series. Um, so, you know, what was it just like going to their house again? And, you know, it was it just one of those things that, I mean, if, you, if you're calling it what it is, they were just the better team? Uh, I mean, yeah. You know, they had they had a really good team and I'm never gonna uh I'm not gonna be one to admit that we like <laughs> I don't wanna admit that we they had a better team than us. Or but not. when you lose five times to a team, you know, it's kinda you know it's kinda writing on the wall, right? Yeah, we actually played them pretty close the first game and uh it didn't help that like going through it it kinda hurt us going through that regional in Oregon that you had to play all those extra games instead of just winning in three. I think we played five games. So uh, actually Landon Marceau came back after the day before he, or two days before the day before he threw like 130 pitches. He actually came back and closed the last two innings of that Oregon game uh, on like a day, day and a half rest. That's right. And, so when I brought up Fontenot, he closed yeah. the first win, not the second. Yeah. Yeah, Landon Marceau comes back and closes it. We had pitchers coming back, like, on short rest. So, and then it's another short rest because we played into, like, Monday, I think. So, it was a short rest getting in that series. We went in with a kind of short pitching staff. Like, guys, our pitchers retired, you know. So, it, it had been tough to do. But uh, I wish we would have done it. Uh, but, yeah, Tennessee definitely had a – they had a damn good team that year. And uh, uh, they just played better than us. So, you know, obviously the big thing that comes of that is, you know, it's it's Paul Venary's last game, his last series, Um, you know, he's retiring out. You know, for you especially, you're not just someone who comes into LSU, but obviously a fan. And, you know, so Paul Venary's got to be more than just a coach. He's got to be a pretty big deal and somebody that, you know, you have a legendary status for, uh, rightfully so. So, like, just how hard was that, you know, just – you know, watching it be over for him and obviously the talk that he had with y'all as a team. Yeah, it's uh, – he kind of prepared us for it. Like, he had that talk with us before the selection committee show to go to the Oregon, before we got selected to go to Oregon. So, he had that talk with us. And, uh, you know, 
it's always tough when you lose at the end of the year and, like, you know you're already losing some teammates that you'll never play with again. So that's already tough. And it's even tougher, like, losing – because normally once the head coach goes, normally a lot of the other coaches go, you know. So it was tough. Um, I mean, those are the guys that recruited me here, believed in me. Uh, and that that's who uh, I was playing with every day. So it's always tough when that happens. And, you know, uh, speaking about Coach Maneri, uh, I owe him a lot of credit for, uh, you know, a lot of, for a lot of who I am today, you know, on the field, off the field. Uh, he helped me become an even better catcher by uh, just believing in me, always, always being on me uh, about just being great back behind the plate. And uh, he always stayed on me, and uh, you know he was very tough on me, but he, he made me become definitely a better catcher. So I can't thank him enough, and even better person in life. So uh, great coach, and you know it, it was tough to it was tough to play for him that last game. Yeah, well, and and one more note on the on the Tennessee thing, man. Um, um, I actually am I'm a multitasker. While we're talking, I'm texting anyway. Evan Russell told me to tell you that he's that you're one of the guys that that he looks up to in regards to catching and you know obviously with him being an older guy an upperclassman that's still cool because you know he's looking around he's looking around the league you know learning from guys and so just so you know he he gave the the tip of the cap to you um but you nah, know and uh that, that that's really cool for me you know uh that that dude did did an awesome job with the pitch staff he handled so Jay Johnson comes in, man, high caliber coach, you know, doing big things to Arizona. So there's a lot of excitement, even with Paul, um, you know, leaving. But, you know, this past season, you only play in 12 uh, games because um, you're hampered by a knee injury. You know, talk to us about the injury and where are you at now? Uh, yeah, so that was really tough. Um, it, ha it happened against Texas, I believe, in the eighth inning. Uh, yeah, I think it happened in the eighth inning against Texas in Minute Made, And uh, it was actually on a pitch cross-up. I called a slider and a two-seam was thrown. So, obviously, I was moving to my right to go catch it. And my left knee went in to go catch the ball. And it, when it two-seamed, when I went back that way, my knee just collapsed and gave me – I felt something pop in there. And I knew something was wrong instantly. Like, I felt that immense burn and got sick to my stomach. And this was with, like, nobody out. And – uh so I went I, – I tried to run to go back up first base on a ball in the infield, and I, like, could not move. And I passed by. Our coaches were right there. I was like – they are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, I just blew out my knee. And I just kind of walked, hobbled back there behind the plate and finished catching that inning. And I remember coming off the field uh, in tears, like, crying, uh, just because, like, I knew something wasn't right with my knee. Like, I knew it was something bad. Uh, I knew, like, it wasn't right, and I've never felt anything like that before. I mean, I've been catching since I was nine years old, never had a knee injury, but I knew right then, like, something was really wrong. Um, so, it was definitely emotional for me. And then, uh, believe it or not, like, I tried to come back. Like, uh, most most guys can come back after four weeks, you know, on an MCL injury uh most sports but catching is one the only position that's like a like I guess I guess it's just different with a catcher on MCL so like I try I rehab rehab try to come back hurt it again 
rehab, 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 try to come back, hurt it again. So it was a lot of – it was a very emotional season for me, a lot of up and downs. Like, so high insight, would you have not tried to rush yourself back and, and possibly if you would have done it maybe a little bit longer, you might have somehow got back before the season would have been over, yeah. you think? Well, I wish I would have just had surgery uh, right off the jump uh, instead of just – and like – but I still I, I got to give my hats off to our uh, training staff. They they did an awesome job with me trying to get me back on that field uh, without having to do surgery because obviously surgery is not the way you want to go with anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, pos- it's all what ifs, you know. Like, but I talked to uh, I talked to not uh, Aaron Nola, Austin Nola, and he had the same injury, uh, MCL injury. And I actually called him on the phone and he was like, I was talking to him about, about everything. He was like, yeah, man. He was like, I had the same thing. And he was like, basically told me you're going to be out the rest of the season. Uh, And that's kind of when it set in for me after talking to him about it. And he was like, that's not something you can rush back and try to come back on. Uh, Like you have to just fully heal it. I ended up having surgery after the season anyways, to totally go in there, fix everything, be a hundred percent sure and like do whatever I had to do just to come back and know hundred percent sure that I'm good to go. And now I like first week of the fall is hundred percent. That's right. When I got back. Yeah. So as far as last season, you know, while you're hurt, are you still traveling with the team and, and on the road for, for most of the series? Yeah, I traveled for most of them. I, I didn't get to make a few just cause uh, me trying to rehab, you know, uh, my knee, so that was first priority, trying to just get back. And then uh, once I – like, I did travel to a lot of them, like Florida. Uh, the only two I don't think – I the only two I missed, I think, was like Mississippi State and uh, Arkansas because I was trying to rehab. Uh, and I was working with my trainers on the weekend and stuff to try to get back. Uh, so, that means you, so that means you made Vandy then at least because that, yeah. that, that one was the fun one, right? Yeah, I did, man. I was a cheerleader in that dugout. Uh, I was having a good time. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I was telling I was telling the guys it was it was an interesting dynamic, man. I, I saw something that I had never really seen before. Usually you get swept out by a team. You know, everybody is saying all the negative things. And I was there for the series against Ole Miss and Baton Rouge. And I'm sitting there, you know, with all the dads, uh, George Cruz, Roddy Beloso, you know, Jock, Joe Bear, all them. And nobody's saying anything negative. They're already talking about, all right, we got focus on Vandy. You know, let, let's start going ahead and planning that up. You know, got to get the got to get these guys mind right and everything. Didn't even focus on the series. Didn't say anything negative, which is just unheard of. Usually everybody's wanting to, you know, pass blame, talk negative, this, that, and the other. And I thought it was cool because then you see what happens at Vandy that next weekend. And it was like, that's what happens when you just you just focus on that next weekend instead of harping on the negative of that past weekend. And then, I mean, y'all went into Vandy and absolutely shellacked them. That, that was beautiful. Yeah, I think that goes back to the leader of this program, which is Jay Johnson or Coach Johnson. Uh, and Coach does an awesome job of – not only preparing us physically, like putting us in the best place physically, but he he uh, really preaches and not only just preaches, but like he does it himself. He brings in people to help us on the mental side of the game. And I think that's something that lacks in a lot of, a lot of baseball players, but he's very big on the mental side of the game. And it's always about 
the next pitch and right here, right now, like you're, you're where your feet are. And, uh, and you know, like after that series, yeah, he was pissed off. We all were after the old Miss, but that next day we're going back to work at practice and we're fixing the things we needed to fix. And it was moved on to the next game instantly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so ultimately, you know, regionals, you go to Hattiesburg and man, I'm gonna shoot you straight out because we don't we don't have any Southern Miss guests. So I'm not really worried about it, man. That place. Oh, it was hotter than Hades, dude. It was a dump like everybody's packed in on the bleachers like cattle. It was tough. If it wasn't if it wasn't for George Cruz keeping me constantly hydrated, I might have died there. I'm telling you. But I got <laughs> to be I got to be there for the first two games. And um, I mean, y'all really took care of business and then uh had had to come back home, unfortunately. Um, watched uh obviously how it unfolded. But you know, we've had um Razelman and Gervais and and Joe Bear and other guys since then and and it seems unanimous and it doesn't sound like anybody's salty but it it seems pretty unanimous that everyone felt like y'all were the better team y'all just didn't close it out and um you know would you say you felt the same yeah I mean it's baseball is a funny game it's not about who has the best team it's about who plays the best that day uh so I mean, it is what it is. Can't do nothing about it now. Uh, you learn, yeah. you just kind of learn from it. And it's, I think it makes you that much more uh, conscious about being that, being prepared for that day. You know, you never know when it's going to be the last day or last game you're going to play. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think you can learn from everything, you know, failure, positives, you can learn from it. So, it absolutely happens. yeah no you can always learn but what i what i like is that it did leave y'all with um this hunger coming in this season you know talking to all the guys and when you talk about the talent that y'all have coming back and then obviously the talent that came in um you know everyone knows about the bats uh, you know especially with Cruz and white and company and i mean y'all i mean coach jay johnson has the hardest you know job probably in the country because you guys got 20 dudes that you got to fit into nine spots. Like, I mean, it, it is real, but you know what I want to talk to, because every, everybody's very aware of, of the amount of bats y'all have. I want to talk about the pitchers because you're a catcher and you get to see these guys, you get to catch for them all. Um, first, let's do talk about the big name because, you know, I've been there twice to watch him pitch now. Dude, just talk to me about how electric Paul Skeens is, man. Yeah. And, uh, dude's a freak. Uh, you know, dude's a freak. I mean, I remember in, during this fall, it's like I'm catching him on Friday uh, on a Friday inner squad, and he's throwing, you know, 97, 99, three pitch mix. I look up it's Saturday, and dude's got two, three home runs. I'm like, what? what what's going on here? You know, but that dude, he's electric, but. Outside of uh, on the field, he's even a better person. You know, he's a great dude, great locker room guy. And, uh, you know, he's one of those glue guys. Uh, and, you know, hard, hard worker, too. So, well, you know, I was at that McNeese game and, and you were catching for him. And, and to your point, man, so he comes out. I, I remember exactly. He comes out eight straight fastballs and he starts at 96 and he gets all the way up to 100. I felt like because I told these guys, I said, 
First one was 96, this is 97, this is 98, and it kept jumping every pitch. And I thought, at this rate, he's going to be pitching 110. But then he drops at 78 mile an hour, and I couldn't really tell what he threw exactly. But I just watched the batter for McNeese swing like two seconds early because all he all they had seen was heat, and he was completely fooled. And I was like, man, when you have that in your arsenal, when you're pumping fastballs, and then like you say, you got the secondary and third pitches – I mean, they're they're so nervous about that heat coming, and then you just drop the kitchen sink on them, and it's 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 a wrap. Um, you know, so that was cool to see. I've gotten to watch Ty Floyd pitch a couple times. He's obviously looked great. So outside of those two guys, um, you know, who else has really impressed you? And then also, I want a name of a guy that maybe people uh, don't know about that's under the radar. Cool. Um... I'll start with under radar guy just because, like, has really impressed me this fall. And he was a transfer. uh, Nate Ackenhausen, left handed pitcher. Uh, That dude is a bulldog on the mound. And uh, he's got just, you know, he's a left handed pitcher, which, you know, you don't find left handed pitchers normally in LSU baseball. Like, I watch growing up and we never really had I felt like every year I was watching and I was growing up we never had like left-handed pitchers well now we do and uh, Nate is uh man he doesn't have like he's not going to sit up there and throw 99 or something like that but he's going to mix fastball slider change up curveball whatever and uh he spots up and he's got a fast tempo and uh that's somebody that's really stood out to me this fall and then I mean, outside of those two guys, I can go down, like, outside of Ty Floyd and uh, Paul Skeens, like the guy you named, like, man, I I feel like I can list 10 guys. And it's give like, me a cu- give me a couple. I mean, I know Collins is look good, you know. Collins, Grant Taylor, uh, Thatcher Hurd, Christian Little, you know, uh, Blake Money's looked really good this fall, Riley Cooper, uh, and I hate to forget some people or whatever, but like there's literally just so many guys that have and, done a great job. Well, what's what's cool about what you're doing, right? So you're naming these guys and you're saying, you know, you haven't even named them all. And that's the question mark. And that's why I wanted to ask because everybody's spending a lot of time talking about the batting lineup. But, you know, LSU's got some arms. And if, and if the arms come together along with this batting lineup, I mean, we are obviously know we're not crazy to talk about what LSU could be. And, and so, you know, with that, I, I mean, I feel like personally, I know how you guys feel. I mean, I feel like it's probably a championship or bus season with with what y'all know y'all have. Um, but, you know, I'll end with this and then I'll let Daniel play a game with you. You know, you got the Fall World Series coming up the, this weekend at the box. Um, first of all, which team are you on and are y'all taking this thing? And I'm rocking with Kate Beloso, purple team. Uh, I, man. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. We're taking it. I I, I want to take the clean sweep to them. <laughs> clean sweep. Yeah, don't don't waste any time. Don't leave any uh anything to chance. Just go out there, take oh, them, yeah. be done yeah. with them. Establish dominance early. That's oh, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna uh we're gonna put their face in the dirt, spit on them a little bit, do whatever. You know? <laughs> Man, that is. That's what's up, man. In this fall the right way with them face down in the dirt. <laughs> so, the all right. Fun. It's a lot yeah, of fun. Absolutely. Um, 
culmination to a lot of hard work in the fall and and you know you guys get to go out there and do your thing and have have fun while doing it uh, you might hurt some feelings along the way but you know they they'll have a month or so to get get over it where you guys get back loaded um alex man let's uh let's before we get you out of here let's let's finish this thing strong let's play a little game called this or that you down to play yeah i i haven't heard this game so walk me through it though all right, very, very simple. So, like, you're a smart guy, but, you know, not every guest that we have is the smartest, so we got to make it easy. So I'm going <laughs> to give you two options. All uh, you have to do is be decisive, and whatever speaks to you, pick that option. Just uh, be, be decisive, can't say both, can't say neither, just pick one option and let's go. So, first question, all right? Um, given that you are in Baton Rouge, I'm sure that you can answer this. Would you rather have pastalaya or jambalaya? Pastalaya. What is I it? His, I bet his mom makes the best pastalaya because she seems to be the goat across yeah. the Yeah. What, my, what my mom could burn Eggo waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Dad does the cooking. She she ain't very good, man. <laughs> there we go. Point for dad. Finally, dad's on the scoreboard. All right, you know, it's it's it, he's got his come up. He, he he's coming up on the back end of this episode. <laughs> who who hits better bombs, Tommy White or Dylan Cruz? Jesus, somebody. Can't say neither or both, man. This is hey, this is why we play this game. Damn. Look, you know the answer is simple. Who is on your team? Yeah, I'm rocking purple team. Rocking with Tommy, man. He's my roommate. Love them both, though. Love them both. Absolutely. Um, would you rather do saltwater fishing or freshwater fishing? Oh, saltwater. What's your favorite thing to catch? Uh, big old bull red. Bull red, nice. Uh, which, what is your favorite uniform? If you had to pick one, would it be purple, gold, or white? I'm rocking with the purple jersey, pinstripe pants. Oh. Okay, purple. I like it. I like it. Would you rather attend a concert or sporting event? And what I mean by this, this isn't just like a, a you know, concert in the park or a, a Tuesday night co-ed softball game. This is like okay. a bucket list concert or a bucket list sporting event. Got to pick one. Junior right here, like throwing down. Hank Williams Jr., Merle Haggard, Morgan Wallen type. I'm taking the concert. Concert. Wow. That's uh Hank Morgan Wallen. Man, you it'd be an incredible night for you, man. But I like Daniel. He was, you know, a lot of people will say that, but then they got to think about who it is and we'll say he was already decisive. He had his list. He was yeah. ready. He knew. He knew what he wanted. All right. Would you rather be a hero or a villain? Oh, hero. <laughs> who who is your favorite hero? Ooh. Trying to think, man. I'm a. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with like Thor. 
Back to back. Dang, Redmond Walsh from Tennessee said the same thing, and that had never been an answer prior to in this whole season. Hey, you know it. Who's uh, who's Ryan? Uh, what is it? Ryan Reynolds? Uh, Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. Yeah. That's the one right there. That dude's freaking late. I don't. I don't know if he's a hero though. <laughs> it's debatable, but hey, you know, I'll take it. All right, who wins in football? LSU or Georgia? <laughs> go Tigers. There you go. Smart answer. You got to say it no matter if even if you don't believe it. What what I think is funny is 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 Jim wrote that question in here and him being the LSU fan and it's just very fitting how he just skipped and negated the fact that that football game may not even matter because they may not even beat UAB this weekend. Dude, shut up. They may shut up. they may not even beat Texas A&M. No tomorrow. matter what they play, Georgia, so the game will matter. So we, if that was to happen, game. Daniel, if it, if we were to lose to either of those other two, we would still be out to play spoiler, my guy. I would rather lose to UAB than A&M now. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Dude, it wasn't even on this list, but, like, Harold Perkins, man, Alex, Alex talks to me, like, unreal, Freak. right? Freak. He's he's pretty good. He's no he's no he's no Devin White, but he's pretty good. Uh see, see, look, I I told Alex I never thought anybody would wear 40 and play linebacker at LSU like Devin White did. And then here here he comes. Here comes Harold. And I'm like, my God, was I wrong? Yeah. Would you last question? All right. And this is a a thinker. You gotta you gotta think about this. Would you rather have massive success by accident? or modest success on purpose? Uh, man, probably modest. I, yeah. So, so what you're saying is, all right, if, if I'm hearing you right, you want modest success, but you want to earn it. Um, yeah, like, I'm one of those guys. I Not yeah. much. I don't he's care. to flip it on you, Alex. Hold on. So, Let me so, go and go say what he's going to say. So right, you, you're one of those guys. Well, tell me if you're one of these guys. I said, hey, man, I'll give you $100 million right now. Here you go. Or you can go out and earn $20 million. What do you, which one are you going to choose? I mean that hundred million's cool and all, but like when you give me when I earn that twenty million, it's gonna mean a little bit more to me in my in my honest opinion. And I'm not Look. just because it sounds like a cool answer or something, but like I'm one of those guys that like when you earn something, it definitely feels a lot more better than when something's just given to you. So Daniel, you got Alex Malazzo and Ben Joyce who are gonna earn their money. Everybody else is taking their hundred million. Look, look, Alex, let me tell you this. Pride means a lot, but it's got a price tag, and eighty <laughs> extra million dollars is definitely well within that price tag. I don't give a damn about pride. You're gonna offer me a hundred million dollars to do nothing, or tell me I can work work my butt off and go get twenty? I'm gonna do nothing and take a hundred. Actually, I forgot. There's there's a third. Hunter Hines did from Mississippi State too. But Alex, you'll like this. You'll appreciate this. He said twenty million goes a long way in the state of Mississippi. 
Yeah, <laughs> ain't crap to do there. <laughs> Man, Alex, dude, we don't want to keep you any longer. It's been a great episode. Is there anything before you get out of here? Anything you want to plug or promote? Nah, man, I'm uh, I'm good. I'm like, hey, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, man. Look, I see. I always got to be prepared because I know you humble cats will go out there and go, no, I'm good. There's nothing out there, but I got to say it for everybody out there listening. If you want to see Alex Lazo, you want to see what he's doing on the weekend on a random Tuesday, what he's going to do when he gets off this podcast. I want you to go on over to IG type in Malazzo underscore seven, and you'll get to see all that hunting, fishing, baseball, hanging out with friends, eating dinner, you name it, he's doing it. So if you want to get into the world of Alex, go check him out on Instagram. Or if you want to see what LSU baseball is doing, check out LSU baseball on Instagram, man. Alex, dude, it's been a blast. If there is anything that we can do for you, please reach out to us, man. We'd love to have you back uh, when the season's going on or after the season or, you know, before the season. Who knows, man? We'll have you back on anytime. Just let us know. Well, before I go, I just want to add one thing. I don't want to get in trouble. I want to say my dad is is a good coach. <laughs> he did help me out. It wasn't all mom. So, um, dad, dad's a great coach. Had a big impact too. So, uh, I don't want him getting. I don't want to get in that phone call if he watches this. <laughs> Alex, you're doing good, man. Like I said, the dads always get the credit, man. You did good this episode. Mom, moms needed some shine, bro. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we joke a lot, you know, obviously mom, mom, you know, the stories were great, but we know like there's, there's definitely a dynamic. You can hear it in your voice. You can hear the passion, like the love and the support that you, your family brings you, man. So I, I, I don't want to discredit anything that they do. I just, you know, I'm sure um, they were both just huge driving factors into you being where you're at today, man. So shout out to them for, you know, having you, you know, putting, you know, making you basically the character you are. You've been great all night, dude. We appreciate it. No, I can't thank y'all enough, man. It means a lot for y'all to ask me to come on here and uh, anything y'all need as far as coming back on or whatever. Uh, but can't thank y'all enough for having me. Yeah, man, no problem. And best of luck this season. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep, that's Alex Malazzo, everybody, if you like hearing Alex's story or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedbacks, loves, likes, shares, you name it, we'll take it because we'll see you guys next week. We got episode 30 coming at you, and we're going to be talking Arkansas baseball with Cody Adcock and Hunter Holland. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.